Hello, hello, everybody. So, okay, hold on a minute. Let me do that again. That didn't sound very excited. Hello, hello, everybody. Okay, was that a little bit better? <laughs> I realized after I said it, I was like, wow, that kind of, that was kind of a crappy intro. Anyway, um, I really want to get right into it because it has been a minute uh, since we talked uh, about our leadership series and it's really important and something I feel like we need to discuss and get really, you know, down in the nitty gritty and really dissect because leadership, again, like I was talking about in my last podcast, is really one of those topics that is not discussed a lot in business doesn't matter what realm of business you're in even if you are a solopreneur remember the first person you have to lead is you and if you can't do that you can't lead anybody else and so um even all of these things even within this pyramid that we're talking about so for those of you guys who did not listen to last week's episode we are discussing the book uh well actually we're just discussing leadership in general but i i love the book five dysfunctions of a team by patrick lencioni if you don't have it go get it i think it's on amazon for like 14 bucks best read ever uh, especially if you are part of any organization and i always want to even say even if you're not part of an organization you need to get this there are so many entrepreneurs and solopreneurs who skip out on leadership. They don't think that they need to because they're like, well, I mean, I'm not leading anybody, right? And they think that they don't have to study it, that they don't have to become students of leadership. And, and they most absolutely do. Absolutely. Because it's all about one, human connection. And two, it's all about developing self-awareness, emotional intelligence, you know, and Ultimately, whenever you are studying leadership, you are studying yourself, you are studying other people. And so you are also leading somebody, whether you know it or not, but going back to my original statement, you are always leading yourself. And so if we're talking about this period right now, this triangle, these can all relate to you. Okay, these can all relate to you and how you relate to your goals, how you relate to your business. So you are in a relationship with your business, right? You are in a business relationship with your with your company, with your brand, with your mission, with whatever it is that you do. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're in a uh, any kind of business, Right, whether you're network marketing, affiliate marketing, you own a boutique, you sell on Etsy, you're, um, you know, you're on Shopify, whatever, all those kinds of solopreneurs, you're still leading yourself. You are still in a business relationship with whatever it is that you do, and these things that we're going to talk about are hyper relevant to you. So please do not tune out. I mean, if you don't like me and the sound of my voice, my (laughs) what I talk about, how I talk about it, please tune out. Like I don't. This may not be for you. Totally understand. Maybe you happened upon this podcast by accident. And if you did, hello, you're kind of in the right spot. And I don't believe there are accidents. Maybe you need to hear this. Um, If you have been waiting with bated breath for me to finish this series, thank you so much for your patience. Um, Life got so crazy yesterday. So a lot of us are entering back into school. Um, We opted for homeschooling, not even virtual learning. Okay, guys, (laughs) like straight up homeschooling. And so it has been an adjustment. We've homeschooled before, uh, but it was a little bit different. They were a little bit younger. Um, now we're starting to develop attitudes. <laughs> so homeschooling looks a, looks a wee bit different. But okay, we are just going to go and dive into this and dissect it or decode it. 
Um, also shout out to, to Christian who is listening to this with her girls in the car. Hello girls. Hello, Christian. Um, they re they retweet or regram. <laughs> she takes a screenshot of this every single time she's listening to it, tags me on Instagram and always tells me that her girls are listening and says, Oh, that's your girl, Courtney. So I wanted to give them a special shout out because I think that is absolutely adorable. I love it. I love that she listens with her girls, train them up young, teach them to be independent and free thinking and entrepreneurial. I love it. Okay, so for those of you guys who may remember, we discussed the absence of trust and um, invulnerability last week in that relationship triangle or in that, excuse me, leadership triangle. Um, And I think obviously this is the biggest thing for people to discuss because it's the base, it's the foundation, right? It's, it's, It's the thing from which everything else in this triangle is built upon. So ultimately it is going to be one of the most important. So we already discussed that, but I want to talk about the next one because I feel like this is where a lot of leaders, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of managers, a lot of bosses, a lot of CEOs, whatever, right? A lot of even even in relationships, like we were talking about, this is even a great triangle to apply to relationships as a counselor, as a therapist. I would even extract this triangle and say, wow, this is probably why a lot of relationships don't work. It's so, you can be translated in so many different ways. We have relationships with things and people. And so the next one is where a lot of people stop growing. Okay. So some people can learn to trust. Some people can learn to be vulnerable. Okay. Because it is a little uncomfortable. I totally understand that. But it's one of those things that people understand because it also has some kind of selfish return, okay? People are more motivated to learn how to trust and be vulnerable because you get something back in return. And it's kind of this emotional exchange, you know, because we live in this emotional economy where you give, you get, okay? You kind of, you give love, you get love. You, you give kindness, you get kindness. Obviously, I know that that's not... <laughs> always the case, but the law of reciprocity does stand in most circumstances. So when you allow yourself to trust, you open up to being trusted, right? And, and loved on and appreciated and all of those other positive emotions, right? So there's some incentive for people to learn how to trust. Okay. So they're more motivated to break down the barriers that hold them back from building the things that are necessary in this foundation, right? The absence of trust and invulnerability. So most people, especially who are motivated to have healthy relationships or healthy leadership skills or healthy teams or whatever, they can get to this point. Okay. Because also when you're seen as vulnerable, you're kind of, you're kind of, um, revered. And again, you're getting something in return. You're getting respect. You're getting appreciation. You're getting all those things. So it's it's selfish to a certain extent. And I also want to take away the negative connotation to the word selfish because it's okay to be selfish. <laughs> we are humans. We are wired to think of ourself, of ourselves. Um, we are wired for self-preservation. Um, everything you do has the self- in mind. Even the most seemingly selfless acts, 
and it's okay. <laughs> okay, it is okay. So when I volunteer, I feel really good about volunteering. That's probably why I volunteer on top of all of the other amazing things and benefits that come from it. But it makes me feel good. If every time I volunteered, I got the crap beat out of me or every time I volunteered, I, I was angry and frustrated. And if every time I volunteered, people told me what a big piece of crap I was, I probably wouldn't volunteer, right? Um, because that's just how we're wired. And so when I say it's selfish, it's okay. That's okay, okay? It's, it's all right for you to do things that make you feel good, make you feel proud, make you feel accomplished, especially if it's also serving other people. And so that I want you just to kind of get out of your head. Being selfish is not bad. It's only when you are selfish too much, right? If you go way back into our podcast series, we talk about how your best quality is your worst quality in excess, right? When you do it too much. Everything in life is pretty much okay as long as it is not overdone. As long as you walk that balance, walk that tightrope of, of just enough, excuse me, <clears throat> of just enough. And, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about. I'm going to take a drink. And so that's kind of what I want to tackle today. And here's where people get stuck. Okay. Here is where the selfishness beats up against a selfless wall. Because initially when you're doing it, it doesn't feel like you're doing it for yourself. It's very uncomfortable. It feels very much like you're doing it for other people. And sometimes that can demotivate people from doing it. They don't see the end result. They're not playing the long game and they don't understand how being in such an uncomfortable position can lead to something better. And that is the fear of conflict. Okay. And here's the thing. I want to talk about this. So the fear of conflict. And when I say the word conflict, I am talking about constructive conflict. I am not talking about, you know, somebody taking off her hoop earrings and being like, put me in coach. Like I'm ready to fight this hoe. Right. I'm not talking about that. I am not talking about the guy who takes the gloves off, rolls his sleeves up, and is ready to throw punches, right? We all know those people who run to conflict because they're comfortable with it, but that's different. That's fighting, okay? You have people that run towards fights, and then you have people that flee from conflict, right? They flee from tension. Both of those are equally unhealthy because they are not productive, Okay, so when I say fear of conflict, some of you may be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I feel that. Oh, I'm just, it makes me so uncomfortable. And other people are going to be like, oh, I ain't afraid of no conflict. <laughs> You're going to be like, oh, I'll get up in there. I'll tell, I'll tell her when she's wrong, right? And you'll just, no, 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 no. All right, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is fear of constructive conflict. I am talking about clear tension and things that you identify as whatever you don't agree with, if you don't think it's productive, if you don't think, <coughs> excuse me, my allergies this morning, y'all, they be getting crazy. Raise your hand if you feel me too. <laughs> Can't see, raise your hand, but you know, it's there in spirit. So... 
that's what I'm talking about. And here is where a lot of relationships, a lot of people in leadership, this is where they go wrong because they either attack the conflict and make it worse. And then in doing so, they destroy the trust that they just built, right? If we're going back to that pyramid, when they attack it head on and they are so aggressive, they destroy the trust and now they're starting all over again. In fact, now it's probably going to be harder because now they've just put up more barriers to establishing trust than there were before. Then you have people who don't approach it because it makes them uncomfortable and the tension just builds and builds and builds and get worse. And and then there and then the behavior that's that the people don't like or the behavior that's destructive to the team or the behavior that's going on and is toxic continues. And that is equally unproductive. And so when people have a fear of conflict, there is this sense of artificial harmony. Okay. The artificial harmony can either be forced, like you're going to listen to me out of fear, right? That's the environment people who attack conflict create. And so everyone knows that no one gets along. So they just pretend to coexist. Okay. That's artificial harmony. Or Everyone is all too afraid to discuss what's going on and discuss what makes them uncomfortable. So they just pretend like they're all actually getting along. Okay. And no one's actually talking with one another. It's kind of like you and your partner when you're trying to decide where to go eat. And every time you guys suggest one, you know, one partner suggests something to the other partner and they're like, yeah, sure. That sounds fine. Even though you're like, I hate Mexican food. Or, oh, he always wants to go to the steakhouse. I can't. And then when he asks, hey, you want to go to that steakhouse? You're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> right? So that's not productive. There's artificial harmony. How many of you guys are part of teams or part of an environment or even in a relationship where you guys are just kind of coexisting because you know there is clear and apparent tension that no one is discussing? Or one or both of you or one or all of you always attack the conflict. And so people are just fearful to bring it up because they know that that one person or those few people are just going to explode and instantly they will regret bringing up the conflict. And so now they almost have this like PTSD reaction about bringing up any kind of uncomfortable situation because they know that Sarah or Todd is going to go explode. And again, it creates this environment of artificial harmony. And what's funny is most people, and I'm going to talk about leaders in here. So most leaders who create that kind of environment, they're the toxicity instead of the leader that's trying to avoid the conflict where others are toxic. I mean, don't get me, I mean, don't get me wrong. The people who are not addressing it are just as toxic, right? Because they're not cutting it off. But the people who are doing the attacking, the people who are doing the reacting, the people who have strong emotions and put off others and scare them from bringing up any kind of tension-filled portion of, you know, uh, conversation or discussion or tension, they're the toxic person that everyone's avoiding. And that sucks when they are the leader because that leader clearly lacks emotional intelligence, cannot process their emotions effectively, and cannot communicate them uh, proactively and calmly. They don't have calm, assertive energy to discuss these things with their team, and they're not open to listening, right? They don't have active listening skills. They're not receptive to learning. They're not receptive to feedback. And that is really, really difficult in a leadership position because that is really the antithesis of 
everything you need to be as a leader. Okay, that is the opposite. And so this fear of conflict is where a lot of relationships, a lot of teams, a lot of people in leadership, management, whatever, this is where they falter big time. They don't even have time to try and build the other three building blocks of this of this triangle. They don't they don't even they don't even get to that point. <laughs> because this is where most teams stop. When I observe a lot of teams and how they function, I see so many of them not trusting one another, right? And they can't even make it past the first phase. Those teams fizzle out before they even get a chance to do anything, okay? Or they're constant, they're in constant ruin. They're in constant drama and fighting. They're doing everything else but building a business. They're doing everything else but being productive. So that even doesn't really count, okay? Because they're so caught up in the individual, in the personal, in the emotional, that they can't even look past that, which is why they are, they, they're stuck. They're stuck before they even begin the game, right? They're stuck at the starting gate. However, most people, if they are in a work environment, if they have entered a business relationship in some fashion, they can at least get a little bit past that trust, They can establish some kind of trust, some kind of working relationship, and they enter into the conflict zone and most of them get stuck there. And if you look at this and if you're one of those people and say, well, not our team, (laughs) it's probably your team. Most people Okay, here's actually, let me, let me backtrack that. The people, especially the leaders and the people, the subordinates who are afraid of conflict will say, oh yeah, that's our team. That's our team. Because they understand the tension. They know it's there. They see it. But the people who won't say that are the leaders or the people who attack conflict. They don't see it because they're like, oh no, I killed that tension. Oh no, I nipped that in the bud. Oh no, I don't allow that. My team. Oh no, that's not part of, that's not here. <clears throat> Okay, those people are blind to it because they think they take care of it. But here's the thing, it's it's not your job to take care of it. It's a team effort. Okay. And let's say you're a solo preneur, you're probably thinking, Courtney, I don't have anybody to have conflict with. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> Other people in your life that steal your headspace. Other people in life that steal your focus. Your customers. The people you you work with in business relationships, and I'm not even talking about like subordinates, like people you, you know. I'm I'm just talking about people you work with. You are in business. That is inherently a people business because people buy things. Okay, so you cannot address those things. You will not address them, or you will, and you will attack them, and your customer service will be crap, or people will not want to work with you. Okay, so even solopreneurs. Yep. <laughs> This applies to you. And here's the thing is you do not want artificial harmony to exist in your team because you cannot progress to the next step, to the next level in your business or in your journey to success. So not only can you not do that, but it just kills motivation, kills motivation. 
When you have artificial harmony, no one has any kind of buy-in. No one wants to be a part of anything. They are simply coexisting, right? Going back to, you know, the idea of relationships. When you're both just pretending to get along, do you have any semblance of a healthy relationship? No. <laughs> do you do the things that people in healthy relationships do? No. Are you happy and fulfilled? No. Okay, and so that's not kind the kind of environment in the workplace you want to curate, that you want to create. You need to tackle it head on. But what you need to do is you need to do it constructively. And what do I mean by constructively? I'm going to give you some tips, okay, about how to communicate when you are tackling a difficult issue. Okay, so number one is always if you're the if you're the person who's expressing. Okay, we're gonna talk about two two things. There's always the people who are receiving and the people who are expressing. First of all, you need to decide which one you are. If you're the one who wants to identify the tension, if you're the one who's experiencing it and it's causing you distress, you are the ex- the the expressor. You are the person who needs to express how you feel, and that can be really difficult if you are a person who's afraid of conflict. Okay because you want to just give permission to everything like it's okay it's all right don't worry about it like that's not okay right because not everything's not okay we do need to worry about it right or if you're the person who attacks you need to you're still the expressor but you need to scale back how you express you need to be more logical less emotional okay then you have the receiver the receiver needs to be open and available for feedback that cannot be closed off They need to be receptive, right? They need to have active listening skills, which means you cannot be thinking about your response. You cannot be rebuttaling in your head as they're talking because that's not active listening. You're not truly listening to that person. All you're doing is letting them flap their gums, you know, while your ear holes are closed and your brain is running a million miles an hour. Stop thinking about how you're going to respond or stop rebuttaling them in your head so you can actually listen, Okay, so you need to decide which one you are, the receiver or the expressor. When you are expressing, you need to write this down. If you're in the car, don't write it down, but come back to this later and then write it down. Number one is you need to use I statements. I statements keep the focus on how you are feeling instead of how you want to blame. Okay, they do not place blame. So here's an example of an I statement. Hey, Todd, I feel really frustrated when you don't address your emails to me specifically because I don't know who you're talking to. And I feel like when I don't respond to your emails, you might feel like I'm ignoring you, which leads to why we might have some communication. Okay, so I'm gonna go back. I feel blank. When you blank or when this happens, when you do this or when this happens, because blah, blah, blah. I feel blank when you blank because blank. Follow that script and nobody can rebuttal it because no one can take away how you feel. No one can say you don't feel frustrated, (laughs) right? I mean, you might get poor communicators, sure, and they're going to say that. But you need to express how you're feeling and why you're feeling it. OK, 
okay? And then take it even a step further and offer a solution, right? I feel blank when you blank because blank, but I was thinking blank. But I was thinking if you reply to me specifically or, or if you CC me, I'll know that you want a direct response from me and the, and I will understand that you want to hear from me and I feel like there might be less less miscommunication, right? I have this feeling, here's why I'm feeling it, but here's also my solution. Then you can say, but I'm interested in hearing your feedback. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts, okay? So number one is always using I statements if you are the expressor. Number two, keep the main thing the main thing. Oftentimes, what creates fights and what gets out of control and what creates poor communication is allowing the topic to go wayward and now all of a sudden you're talking about something else, right? How many of you guys have been in a conversation or a fight with your spouse or a friend or whatever and you start talking about doing the dishes and then all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, five years ago when you went to Dairy Queen and they ordered you a chocolate swirl instead of a vanilla swirl and you know what I mean? All of us have been there because we allow ourselves to go off on these tangents because here's the thing, you probably didn't use an I statement. So somebody felt blamed. When people feel blamed, they have to project. They have to get defensive. When they get defensive, you feel like they're not hearing. So you need to come up with more proof as to how they actually do that. So you bring up another situation. When you bring up another situation, they feel attacked. So then they respond. When they respond, you don't feel heard, right? And you you keep bringing up all these things. And then now you don't even know what you were talking about in the first place. And all you guys have succeeded at doing is pissing each other off and then you you walk away and then you're like we never solved anything no one feels better about the situation you didn't tackle the subject and now everyone's just pissy <laughs> right I mean raise your hand if it's true because it's true okay I see you raising your hand that is why you need to keep the main thing the main thing it's going to be difficult if somebody rebuttals because they feel like you're blaming them, even if you're using great I statements, you can't help other people's emotional intelligence. If they feel blamed, they feel blamed. But you need to keep the main thing the main thing, okay? If you say, Todd, I feel frustrated when you don't, when you don't title or when you don't tag me or whatever, like in your subject line, because I don't know that you're addressing the email to me and I feel like we're miscommunicating. And all of a sudden Todd's like, yeah, well, you never do it either. Remember last week when Sally was trying to remind us about doing whatever and you didn't even get the bagels. And then we had, we had corporate and hedge funds coming into the blah, 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 blah. blah. And you're going to be like, no, I didn't. Right. D don't you even engage. No, ma'am. No, sir. When they do that, you can say, I understand that it sounds like you feel really frustrated about that. And I'm sure that there'll be a time when we can talk about it, but I really want to stay on topic about this because if we don't solve this issue, this issue, we won't be able to solve other issues. And if this person cannot stay on topic, then you can say, hey, it seems like you're not open and available for feedback. Maybe we can try again later, okay? You need to take control of that. You need to address the conflict head on. You need to be productive. You need to use I statements. You need to keep the main thing the main thing. And thirdly and lastly, you need to maintain control 
of the conversation and you need to steer and direct or end the conversation if it needs to. Okay? You don't need to keep beating a dead horse if the other person is not open and available for feedback. Now, here's the thing. For those of you guys who are the overly emotional responders, you might feel like if the person's not agreeing with you that they are defending themselves. Not the case. If the person is just not agreeing with you, that's okay. They don't have to. All they have to do is hear your point and why you feel that way. And when you offer a solution and then you say, but I'm also open to hearing what a possi- what you think a possible solution may be. And then they propose a solution and you guys meet in the middle. It's also about compromise. Constructive conflict leads to constructive compromise. Okay. And we're going to we're going to get into that in the next building block. So before we get too involved, we'll go ahead and we will end it right there. But I want to let you guys know you need to have healthy conflict in your team, in your business, in your life in order to have a fulfilled life. Because if everybody is pretending to get along, nobody is actually getting along. Okay. If you try to please everybody, you actually please nobody. If you're the leader who can't stand up for yourself, who can't stand up for other people, who can't protect the culture of your team and the sanctity of that, you end up losing trust. So here's, here's the interesting thing. You need trust in order to move on to having that healthy conflict. But if you cannot have healthy conflict, you innately and inevitably destroy the trust. And so it is this two-way street that you are constantly working on and building at the same time. People think just because you start off right at the bottom at the base of the pyramid and you build trust and you move up, right, that you never move back down. Au contraire. All you end up doing is working two at the same time. So now when you're working on conflict, you're also keeping that trust. You're maintaining that trust. You're working on those two building blocks. Then when you move up to the next one, not only are you working on that, but you're also simultaneously maintaining the constructive conflict and ensuring trust. Then you move up to the other one and and so on and so on. So it's not like you're only ever building one at a time. The only time you're ever building one is in the beginning when you're building trust. Every other time after that, you're building more than one at the same time because you're building a new one but you're strengthening the others. So if you cannot have constructive conflict or you have one instance where you have poor communication in a conflict-filled situation, you are destroying trust. Excuse me. And that is almost more devastating than not having any trust to begin with. Okay? If you meet a stranger, right? you don't trust them, you don't know them, right? And you have to do something with them. You will probably end up trusting that person more than having to go work with somebody like an ex who cheated on you. The absence of trust isn't that bad, but losing trust is. So I'm going to encourage you that not only do you need to build trust, but once you move on, start having that constructive conflict, you keep it constructive Okay, and you maintain this building block out of all others because it is the quickest to destroy trust. 
And destroyed trust is worse than no trust at all. How many of you can agree with me on that one? All right. So we definitely want to make sure we are maintaining our trust and we are working on that constructive conflict. I want you to think about somebody that you have tension with right now in your life. I don't care if it's your spouse. I don't care if it's your leader, a coworker, a parent, whatever. I want you to commit to having that courageous conversation this week in some fashion, using those skills that we just talked about, right? I statements, you know, making sure that you are open and available for feedback, you know, making sure that you are resolution focused, right? It's not just about people understanding how you feel. It's about getting to the result, about getting to a resolution. The idea is not that people understand that you're frustrated. They need to hear that you're frustrated, but you can't make people understand or give a shit. Okay. That's not the point. The point is that they hear how it makes you feel, they see what they're doing, and there's a possible solution, okay? You need to keep the main thing, the main thing, and then you need to maintain control of the direction of the conversation, and you need to end it and readdress it later if the person is not open and available for feedback. Because if not, you allow the conversation to go wherever it goes and you can't let the conversation take on a life of its own. You need to maintain control of it. So I want you to practice those things today, tomorrow, the next day, sometime this week, until the next time we meet. (laughs) And I want you to continue doing that and not being afraid of conflict, not being afraid to have those difficult conversations. The more you do it, the easier they get and the less personal you take it. You cannot take other people's emotions and offense personally, because going back to that selfish conversation, that selfish, you're going to make it about you. You are going to make my frustration and my inequities and my tension and my decisions and all those things. You can't take them on as yours because they're not yours. And that's what offense does. When you take things personally, you're making other people's emotions, your emotions. And that's pretty selfish. That's pretty egocentric when you think about it. And so you need to keep the main thing the main thing. All right. If you found value from this podcast, uh, do me a favor. I would love to hear what you thought of it. Uh, and also creating more awareness about this podcast help, uh, or helps me keep it ad free. I get emails all the time about um, putting ads in this and I really don't want to because I feel like it disrupts your listening experience. Um, but it does cost me to do this and I know that that's why people usually do ads, totally get it, but I really don't want to. <laughs> so I will keep churning out free content if you guys can churn out free support. Um, so go ahead, take a screenshot of whatever you're listening on right now. Tag me at thecourtneyrogers.co. If you are tagging me on Facebook, you can go ahead and find me there at the Courtney Rogers. And let me know what you thought about it. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your biggest takeaways. Uh, and even give me suggestions about things that you would like to hear about in the future. So thank you again for listening, guys. As always, you guys are awesome. You are what keeps this podcast going. If we had no listeners, there would be no reason to have it. So thank you guys so much. I hope, again, you found some value in this. And don't be afraid to have those uh, hard conversations. They get less difficult as you practice them, I promise. So I will catch you guys in the next episode.